What's up, guys? This is Roland Buck III. I play Noah Sexton on Chicago Med, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Welcome to episode 103 of Meet Us at Molly's. Today we're going to cover episodes 20, so 420, 720, 620. As always, I'm one of your hosts. My name's Gina. I'm joined by Bryna. Hello, everybody. We have a jam-packed episode for you today. So much. Jam-packed. So much. So, so much. And we say that a lot, but like we mean it this time. <laughs> so much. So much to talk about. So, yeah, uh... Let's just dive right in, because, yeah, we've got all three shows. We've got a good discussion in the fire portion about Casey and Brett. We've got discussions about Upzik in the PD portion. There's just jam-packed. It's just, it's packed. All right, so we're going to jump right in. We're going to start with the news, and we're also going to put in the show notes, you know, different timestamps if you just want to skip ahead to certain parts. So here we go with the news. We have episode descriptions for the rest of the season, really. Mm-hmm. Episodes 21 and the season finales. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Um, the first one we have is a med description for episode 21. This is called Forever Hold Your Peace. Bryna, will you take us through it? Yeah. So Caroline has news to share, forcing Dr. Charles to make a serious decision about their relationship. Maggie meets her sister's new boyfriend, but discovers danger may lie ahead. Dr. Rhodes experiences a devastating loss, while Dr. Choi and April are faced with an unexpected challenge that strengthens their relationship. So... Cornelius is going to die. I mean. Yeah. 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 I mean, devastating loss. I don't know what else that could be. Exactly. Um, we also know from the promo, since we've now seen the promos for episode 21, Dr. Charles make leave? Like. <laughs> what? Yeah, that was a weird that, like, huh? moment. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm assuming that's whatever this serious decision is. It's like. Caroline's good or you know Caroline's good and she's gonna leave and so he then decides he's like you know what like I want you know like I'm I don't want you guys to leave so if I have to leave then I you know I'm gonna leave yeah now did you hear the part where she told him I'm going back to Minneapolis yeah yeah, yeah. isn't the Mayo Clinic located in Minneapolis it is in, uh, I don't know if it's in Minneapolis or Rochester, but it is somewhere up in there because our friend Rachel talks about it all the time. Yeah, so uh, just I'm just saying my theory about Connor going back to the Mayo Clinic might have some weight. Yeah, but also with, like, it wouldn't be unexpected, too, with, like, Cornelius dying that, like, he's like, you know what, fuck this. Like, I, like, I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. And we'll get into the more specifics about what they're trying to do with Connor now, but they're trying to make it seem like all of the Ava stuff was just in his head? Yeah. Wasn't that in one of the previews? It was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know. We'll talk about that in a minute, but yeah. Yeah. So, um, Fire 
720 or yeah 721 this is called the white whale and the description says a serial arsonist cold case is reopened when lieutenant severide finds a connection to a recent salon fire 51 also celebrates a retirement party and casey gets hurt and brett tends to him at least according to the photos we've seen but like i guess not that hurt I don't know. No, I guess not. I mean, because when we saw that photo, it was pretty much just Brett and Casey, like, standing very close together. So everybody was just, like, freaking out. But I but I was just going to say, I guess it's not that big of an injury if it's not, like, in the episode description. So it must just be, like, one scene and then, you know, they move on. I don't know, but. Yeah, and Casey's got, like, a bandage on his neck at certain points in the photo, so I'm sure it's pretty minor. Yeah, but I was just like, oh, Casey gets hurt. That's not in the episode description, but okay. Cool. <laughs> and lastly, PD 621 is entitled Confession. Bryna, please take it away. Antonio struggles with his guilty conscience as he tries to take down a major drug dealer. In order to protect his team, Voight takes a big shot at Kelton. So here comes the fallout from the left turn. Yeah. I know. Bryna's face palming. Can't see it. I just, I mean, I'm going to wait until I see it, but, like, I have issues. I know. I really hope they do this storyline with Antonio justice, no pun intended. I hate that. That's an expression of <laughs> justice. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. I hate it, but, you know, it's a thing. But, yeah, I mean, in the promo photos, it looks like Antonio's going through something pretty rough. Yeah. Just, so. Whatever. We're gonna. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hold all judgment until so, I've seen it. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. So moving on to the season finales. Med's season finale is entitled With a Brave Heart. In the season finale, Dr. Charles and Caroline get some major plans. Ava fights to keep her relationship with Connor Agent Lee informs Will of news that may put his life in danger. What relationship with Connor? Exactly. Why is Will always in danger? Well, the Will in danger news has got to be that Ray and his sons are out of prison, right? It's got to be. I mean, especially if Agent Lee's informing him of it. It's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. Ava fighting to keep her relationship with Connor. I just can't help but come back to that. If she's thinking that this is all in his head and, you know, he's she's like, why do you want to hurt me? Why am I the monster? Why is she trying to keep her relationship with him? Who knows? And Dr. Charles and Caroline set some major plans. I'm assuming that means episode 21 ends with him making that decision that he's going to leave. And so their major plans having to do with them leaving. I don't think he would actually leave because I feel like if that was the case they would have announced it when they announced that Colin and Norma were leaving but I don't know so I feel like that's gonna have to do with all of that Mm -hmm. so hmm hmm will you take us through fire yeah so fire is called I'm not leaving you and basically it says Severide and Kid continue to investigate Benny's old arson case Unexpected news leads Brett to ponder a big decision and all hell breaks loose as the season concludes. 
I love that it just has all hell breaks loose. loose. I do too. Which I don't know if I'm like <laughs> laughing because I'm like think it's funny or laughing because I'm scared or both. Uh, well, I mean, it's both for me, but I also feel like this is NBC being like, fuck it. You know how this goes. You've been through seven of these suckers. Like, you know exactly what's going to happen. It's going to be crazy. There's going to be a cliffhanger and then you're going to cry. Yeah. And so we had gotten a question specifically about this description from Mikal. And it the question says, I want to ask, do you think it would involve Kyle now that he's kind of back in the picture? Maybe talking about Brett's decision. Like if it would involve Kyle now that he's back in the picture or Casey, maybe both. Like what are your thoughts on what Brett's big decision might be? I thought I had heard somewhere that it was something like she needs a dinner date for a party and she pretty much has to choose between the two. I thought I read that somewhere. Maybe I imagined it. And that kind of sounds vaguely familiar. Or was that in episode 21? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either. I just remember hearing about it. Was it in that TV line thing? Possibly. Maybe. I'd have to go back and look. That definitely sounds familiar. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I feel like that's like unexpected news leads to Brett to ponder a big decision. Like unexpected what? You got unexpectedly invited to a dinner party? Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. That seems a little more ominous. Than just a dinner party. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I definitely think it involves both of them. Like, whether whether it's, like, about who she should choose or not, I don't know. But it definitely, I think, involves that world. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And then PD's finale is entitled Reckoning. And the description says, with Kelton's election all but assured, Voight and his team must go off book in a last-ditch effort to save intelligence from getting axed. Okay, but when did when did Kelton ever say he was going to axe intelligence? Right, when they mentioned that this week, I was like, was that a th- Huh? I was like, when was that a thing? I don't remember him ever saying that. Granted, I haven't had the time to go back through. And, like, rewatch, and- Yeah find it yeah but i don't remember him saying that yeah that confused me too but apparently he that's a thing so i don't know i also just think it's funny that it's like boy and his team must go off book like that doesn't happen every episode anyway in some regard but i know i feel like they always go off book in the season finales like every single one it's like we're off book when it's also just like it on almost like every episode just in a normal season or every other episode they're going off book for one little part Boyd's like yeah let's go off book on this like mm-hmm. go off book for this part so we can get it's just like they're always off book like okay whatever that's not yeah. anything new that's funny so yeah i'm i'm not i'm not ready even though the finales are you know just under two weeks away now i'm not ready yeah no not ready no it's no. crazy to think but, they're uh, almost here though I know. Three straight hours of finales. Oh, oh my god. That's gonna be it's brutal. Gonna hurt so bad. I know, I know, I know. And just in case you guys did not see our tweet, we do have interviews lined up with Derek Haas and Jeff Dreyer and Stephen Hootstein. So get us your fire and med questions. Yeah. Please. Sooner rather than remember, later. Sooner rather than later. And just remember kindness. Kindness. Yeah, so I think that's all we've got with the news. Um, As always, guys, if you see anything, send it to us, email it, tweet it, however you want to get it to us is fine. You guys do a really good job of getting us news. And with that said, I think we can jump into the episodes. What do you think? Yeah, 
Let's do it. So let's jump right into Chicago Med. I felt like this week it was three solid episodes. I liked Med this week. What do you think? Yeah, I I think I think it was just clear that they're setting. I mean, like, I mean, it still wasn't my favorite episode, but it's very clear where they're going for the last little bit of the season. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it was good absolutely. in that. It was solid in that regard. Mm-hmm. So let's start with the Mansteads. Something really juicy happened this week, and that Will and Philip finally met. I don't think I realized they hadn't met. I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense, but like you know, Philip was a patient at the hospital, or his daughter was a patient at the hospital. Like I don't know, I just hadn't realized that they like hadn't actually met yet. Right, and it was awkward as fuck. Yeah, so awkward. So awkward. So so awkward. Uh, did you see? After the end of the episode, Nick had posted something and was like, Philip's such a pretty little liar. I was like, Nick, we can always count on you to bring the dad jokes. I always. was like, why didn't I think of that? That's such a good one. But also, you know Nick has been sitting on that for a while. Like, you know he know. thought that went up and was just waiting to use it. But that's like why I was mad that I didn't think about that for a while. Right, right. So funny. Somewhere along the way, Owen got just ridiculously cute. Yeah. Oh, my God. When Will walks by and you just hear that little voice and he's like, Will, oh, my God, so cute. And, like, where was this Will and Owen bonding when they were together? Like, I mean, we saw, like, Will, I mean, Owen throwing blocks at Will's head. But, like, where was this, like, adorable, like, good bonding? I don't know. I know. I missed it. I missed it clearly, but yeah. It was so freaking cute. Oh my goodness. And then like the high fives and then uh, so cute. And then Will or Owen was just like, now I want to play with you and just a little high five. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It was all just, I'm like, oh my God. <sighs> Again, why didn't we get this when they were together? I don't know, but. I know. I would have taken that over Owen throwing blocks at Will's head. Right. Well, and I think it's just, it's so important for their relationship because, like, all we really saw of Owen and Will's relationship was the negative. I mean, you know, it wasn't, like, the worst thing in the world, but it was negative. And so I think an important building block to the Mansteads eventually having their happy ever after is, you know, Will and Owen getting along, which clearly is a thing, but, like, why didn't we get to see them build that part, too? I don't know. I mean, I get it. Like, Owen is not there all the time, and he, you know, like, they're not always crafting storylines around that, but I don't know. I feel like that's an important part to have shown at some point, but. Right. I don't know. So, you know, of course, of course Will gets jealous because Will is Will and he just gets jealous. But it's such a bad so, look on him. So bad. Oh my goodness. I like died inside when he was pretty much like lecturing Natalie and he was like, well, he must be nice if you're bringing him around Owie. Owie. Let's call him Judgy McJudgeface. I'm not Wait, with what? it today. I think I need another cup of coffee. I know. Let me try that again. So when Will says he must be nice if you're bringing him around Owen, like, all right, judgy McJudge face, like, tone it down. That's where I was going with that. My favorite thing, though, about this whole thing is because, like, 
Will is talking to Maggie about it beforehand, and then Natalie comes over, and, like, Will can't just, like, contain his feelings. He still has to, like, let them out. And Maggie's like, don't do it. Don't do it. Basically, like, you can see it, like, and even though she doesn't say it, like, you can just see it on her face. She's like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And then he does it, and she's like, ah, oh, damn it. He did it. Like, fuck. <laughs> oh, thank God for Maggie, though. She has diffused so many awkward Manstead moments. She should get a raise for that. She really should. <laughs> Forget the donating the kidney and all the other awesome, amazing, good things she's done for the hospital. It's just diffusing the awkward man's dead moments. Just, yeah. You should get a raise for that. Mm -hmm. For real. For real. Yeah, I died a little bit. I just, I can't believe he would lecture her on her parenting choices. Like, it circles back to season one Manstead had, like, when they was, when they would circle each other, like, Will was just downright horrible to her. Yeah. Well, it's just, like... He has no right. Like, they're not together anymore. Yeah, they were engaged, and they literally were almost married, but, like, they're not married. So, and they're not together anymore. So, he has no say in it. Well, if that's just something that, like, that's the kind of comment that comes up in your inner monologue. It's one of those things that you just don't verbalize. Right. Exactly. It's one of those things you should just probably keep to yourself. Yeah. It's just, like, Will, I, I can't. Green is a bad color on you, Will. So bad. Which it's really not, though, because the second day at con, he was wearing green and looked really good. But He also looked like Ed Sheeran. I'm not complaining. I mean, no, but, like, he looked like Ed Sheeran. It just, it, it's just, green with jealousy is just a very, very bad color on Will. So, whatever. But I did like the themes this week and how they were woven in, because it was smart. It was pretty smart. So... If we look at Will's patient, it starts out pretty freaking weird. So this guy has renal, he's in renal failure, basically, and his cousin is there with him. And so his cousin's his donor, but his cousin is Moldovan and only speaks about 10 words of English. So the circumstances with this situation are just really suspicious. It just doesn't look good. Yeah. Like at all. And so, you know, Will's flags go up, as they should. I mean, the whole thing looks suspicious. He looks really uncomfortable donating the kidney. He doesn't speak English. The cousin who brought him in is really annoyed that they keep asking him questions and everything. And he doesn't know the answers to, like, the simplest questions of, like, when's his birthday? Well, I don't know. It's, like, all of it looks suspicious. So, you know, Will's... Going through the appropriate channels for once. I can't believe he actually, like, did the right thing and, like, went through the proper channels. I know. I literally tweeted. I was like, that might be the smartest thing Will's done all season. Like, TBH. Yeah. I was like, what? I was like, huh? This is weird. <laughs> yeah, when that moment happened, when Gwen was like, oh, we're taking him up to our, like, MVP suite or whatever the hell that was. In my head, I was like, oh, my God, like, go talk to Goodwin. And Will's like, I'm on my way. I'm going to talk to Goodwin. I was like that huh never happens <laughs> yeah it's just like okay. okay sure but even in talking to goodwin i felt like will was really on his game in this episode yeah he definitely was i mean he was doing all the right things they just turned out to not be right right but i mean he followed his gut he you know went through the proper channels he wasn't you know he wasn't stepping he out of line. Right. That's what I'm saying. Right. But, like, he, he did all the right things. They just turned out to be the wrong, like, wrong. 
I can't fault him, though, for following his gut there. Like, he turned out to be wrong, and it was a legitimate deal, and they were cousins, and they were very close, and, you know, right. all that stuff. I can't even fault him for following his instincts, though, and being wrong. No, 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 not at all. I'm just saying that, like, he did all the right things, and it just happened to be this one time it, like, turned out wrong. Yeah. Um, also, yeah. that was a twist I did not see coming. That the cousins were legit? Yeah. Did not see that coming. Yeah, I know. I didn't either. I thought that was a really – because I was like, oh, they're def- – like, this is definitely suspicious, like, whatever. And I thought maybe it wasn't going to be exactly what we thought, but th- I didn't think they were going to actually be, like, the cousins and, like, it was actually, like, real. Yeah. 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 But where Will was dead on and correct was with Philip. Because early on in the episode, Philip – tells Owen that he owns a ranch in Texas and when Will goes to Maggie Will's like his hands are smooth like they're manicured there's no way he does like he owns a ranch just Will only you only you that's just a terrible excuse too I mean like I obviously thought Philip was kind of shady too but like Will come on now this mm-hmm. is no right no that can't be your only reasoning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah but Will is right on about Philip because Philip is a slutty lying liar who lies. Yeah. 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 He lied to Owen about owning the ranch in Texas. Why would you lie about that? Because didn't he say he was like, oh, yeah, I just like he thought it was cool. So like I wanted to be cooler. Like, so I was just like, really? Like. <sighs> you can't lie to a three year old. But you can't. I mean, but people do. That's not... No, I know. It's about... It's different when people lie to three-year-olds. But, like, still. They do. It's just not a good look. No. This was... No. It was bad. It was really bad. It was really bad. And so we got some questions based off of this because, you know, Philip sucks. But, yeah. Jiffy Pop Culture, she said, you know, how did Philip go in one episode from Perfect Boyfriend to Shady as Fuck? It's a great question. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's not like the worst thing in the world, lying to a three-year-old, but it's just not going to get you any brownie points. Well, and then the theories got, like, really dark on Twitter after this. I don't know if you saw it because I retweeted it and I was like... <laughs> it did see. About did see. somebody, I don't remember who it was, so my apologies, but was like, I think Philip, like, might try to kidnap Owen. And I was like, huh? <laughs> I was like, where did that come from? The irony, though, if we had a Psycho Nanny Carrie situation on our hands, like... In a storyline revolving around Tori. Exactly, exactly. It would be, like, karma reversed, like... That's so terrible, but so funny. Nanny Carrie took Jamie, and now somebody else has taken her kid, like, just... Funny, but not funny. (laughs) Um, But, like, who even knows, right? They could take it that way. Who knows? Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it'll just continue to get he'll continue to get shadier and shadier but yeah right now it's not looking so good for him no not looking good nope allison g also said she said i don't get philip lying to owen though clearly he knows nothing about parenting and what was the point of making up that story about owning a ranch it seems like it was just a means to confirm for will that his jealousy slash suspicion is justified yeah that's exactly what it was it was just a way to show that like his instincts weren't necessarily correct with his patients, but they were with Philip. Right. And that Philip isn't the, like, the best, like, 
guy that we think he is. And I bet they're he's totally going to pass it off to you. Like, Will's probably going to mention it to Nat. And then when Nat mentions it to Philip, Philip's going to be like, oh, oops, I didn't know lying to three-year-olds was not a good thing. Like, my bad. Oopsies. You know, my baby's a – like, she's a baby. You know, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. And he's, like, going to be like, oh, yeah, my dead wife. Like, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Like, I – yeah. He's going to throw it off. Or she's going to be like, yeah, I already know he came and told me about it. Mm-hmm. Like, and that he apologized for it. And so it's going to be like, okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, man's dead. Yeah. But more Will and Owen, please. That was adorable. Yeah. Seriously. Future, basically, whenever means that gets back together, give us more family time. Okay, thanks. Yes, please. Yes, please. Elsewhere in the hospital, we had Dr. Choi and Natalie because they, they both had a patient. They had patients together, but then also Dr. Choi had one separately. So kind of looped them together, but... We saw Kim for a moment. That was cool. Hello, Burgess. How yeah. are you? Love it. That was nice. Elsewhere, Bernie is back. Yeah. <laughs> when did he, like, come back? Did I miss, like, I, I was so confused. I was like, because Emily is staying with April because she left Bernie or, like, left him in Vegas. It's, I was so I was like... I needed to, like, clearly go back and watch it. I was just like, okay, yeah, I guess Bernie's back in town. Yeah, and that that was my question was, when did they come back from Vegas? Well, obviously, I mean, like, yeah, I was like, I don't know. I had so many questions. I was like, yeah, Bernie's back. Okay. And Bernie was with his wife for a little bit. And is still with his wife. I think. I think so. Still living there, at least. Not Maybe Something not together, like but, like, <sighs> so many questions. Indeed. Yeah. So many questions. But, you know, that was another one of those moments where it would have been great if Maggie were there to be like, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Granted, we had April in that moment to be like, don't do it. Don't say it. Uh, but you Ethan, said it. I mean, she literally even told him yeah. as much. She like, unlike Maggie. Well, Maggie, I guess, kind of told Will to not say it, too. But like April was like, literally, don't say it. This is what you need to say. And then he literally went around her and was like, just kidding. I'm going to say. And it's just like, oh, God. Oh, man. Yeah. But, yeah, Ethan made a little passive-aggressive quip at Bernie about his wife. I laughed. I'm not going to lie. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. But Ethan went protective big brother. And, honestly, I wasn't annoyed by it this time. I wasn't annoyed by it. But I thought Allison kind of made a good point. um, Because she said, you know, basically, like, we've already seen a storyline with Bernie coming to the ED for treatment. April telling Ethan to be nice and him ignoring her. Emily getting mad about her brother interfering, you know, et cetera, et cetera. She's like, tonight just seemed like a repeat of that. Like, did none of them learn from the last time that it was probably not a good idea for Ethan to be treating Bernie? And I just felt like that was kind of true. Like, what did we get out of this this time around that we didn't already have happen the last time he was in the ED? I think we just saw that Ethan apologized and said he was going to make more of an effort to be there for them. Because in the past, it would just be Ethan and Emily would argue the end. That's fair. I guess. Yeah, I but, I don't know. I think it was also to confirm that Bernie is not the brightest. Clearly, he asked Ethan for... Um, I cannot oh help with erectile defunction. ED. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, oh dear God. 
Which was funny, yeah. but I was like, did he really just ask that? To his so cringeworthy, though. Brother-in-law, not really brother-in-law, but, like, whatever that relationship is. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I mean, really, though, Bernie does need it. He needs to get it together. Like, Emily has the patience of a saint, if you ask me. Yeah, she should clearly leave his ass, but she's not going to. Exactly, exactly. So, the other thing I'd like to see is, I mean... Like, she shows up with Ethan's nephew, and Ethan is just like, hello, baby. Like, I'm obsessed with my niece. So I, maybe it's just me, and I'm just like, don't you want to, like, cuddle the baby? Don't you want to be like, hello, nephew, I am uncle. Like, no? Okay. But I also, that just might not be him. Like, that just, he might not, he doesn't seem like the overly affectionate, like, warm personality kind of person that's true so that doesn't totally surprise me no no but like when he showed up to april's and then you know it was revealed like emily was there and emily had had the baby he was just like not even phased i would have been like oh my god you had the baby but yeah that's probably just not him yeah so but yeah i guess i mean I guess I have more questions on, like, what this means for, like, will we see more of them this season? Or was that it for their, our, like, yearly Emily and Bernie appearances? <laughs> like, I, like, is that just, I don't know, like, was that I it? I, don't, I guess so. I wonder if we're going to see more of them in season five now that Connor and Ava are leaving. I don't know. Hmm. Tis a mystery elsewhere so the two patients that dr troy and natalie had together it was two girls who basically had taken some sort of drug they couldn't tell what but they basically find out that it's thallium which is it's some sort of element no it's not like an element on the periodic table it's like it's bad is what it is. Yeah, you're not supposed to it's take bad. it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, basically. Basically. So the two girls, there's Gaia and Meadow. And so Gaia is Dr. Choi's patient. And like midway through, not even midway through, probably like the first quarter of the episode, she ends up just putting a bag over her head. Like she kills herself. And that's that. After, you know, they, they basically they had marks on them and everything. And they were like, what did you take? This is so weird. Gaia puts a bag over her head. Done. It's eerily reminiscent of what's going on on the hundred right now which is basically like they an eclipse happens and then they all go into like some sort of psychosis i don't know that's what i was thinking of i thought it was weird but it turns out that these two girls are part of a cult that believes that since the earth is destined for destruction the only way to fix it or make a statement is by killing themselves it's heavy yeah it was funny i was watching this episode with a friend and she was like and she's like doesn't really know anything but like she wanted to watch from me because i i needed to watch and she's like very into like supporting the podcast and she was like what are they she was so confused by this she was like this is the weirdest thing i think i've ever seen and i was like yeah yeah i like really didn't know how to wrap my head around it i was like what It's very deep when you think about it, though, because with all the climate change stuff and all the crazy stuff that's going on in the world, I mean, 
I'd be lying if I said this. It doesn't cross my mind of like, what is the future going to be like for, you know, future generations? I thought that was a really deep topic to go with. I was like, oh, but that's a good one, though. Like, I understand why they're making that statement, even though they're probably going the wrong way about it. Does that make sense? It makes sense. But in the moment, that's not what I thought about. I just thought it was, like, extreme. I didn't think about – and I don't really know if until you just said that. Like, what you said makes sense. But I didn't take that episode like that. I just took it as, like, whoa, that's a little too extreme. Yeah. And, like, there are other ways to say – to say that about – and, like, fight for that cause that you believe in without doing Mm -hmm. that. That was what I was thinking about in that moment. So, like, what you said just made sense, but that's not what I thought about at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this Valium, the only way to treat it really is with Prussian blue, which is something that I – doesn't that usually, like, combat radiation or something? Yeah, well, so I was just Googling Valium, and it's, like – so, like, the first thing that comes up is, like, Valium poisoning – and basically, like, it's a metal that's used in, like, a lot of rat poisonings and is in insecticides. I cannot say that word. And so it's toxic. So, like, that would make sense. Okay. Okay. Huh. So basically they took rat poison. Yeah. It also is on yes. the periodic element or table. You said it wasn't, but it is. Okay. I just, I didn't, I, I don't really imagine things on the periodic table as things you can just, like, pick up and eat aside from sodium yeah it's a chemical element with symbol ti and atomic number 81 fun fact the more you know the more you know (laughs) science lessons today on the podcast (laughs) yeah with people i was terrible at science so i don't know why i'm the person that should be telling this oh man i need another cup of coffee so badly (laughs) (laughs) but but yeah yeah so So that would make sense the prussian blue happens go ahead brenna so basically then, and Natalie, of course, though, goes full Nat. Full Nat. Full Nat. And the patient didn't want to take it. And what does Natalie do? Doesn't matter. You're taking it. And it's just like, oh, God. Nat. Come on now. <laughs> Criminal battery? What's that? It's just like, we were so close. Like, we've had a really good stretch of runs here for Natalie. And then we lost it. Nope. My she went full nat. Favorite thing, though, is because so Dr. Charles was working on this case, and Dr. Charles was, you know, on the patient's side, of course. And so Dr. Charles overruled Natalie and that decision. And then when Nat went behind his back, my, like the most underrated part of all this, though, is that Monique is the one that totally stitched, snitched on Nat and like went and told Dr. Charles. I was like, Oh my god, did that really just happen? Like, did Monique really um, just snitch on Nat? It's like the greatest thing amazing it was so good i loved it so much yeah but that got nearly no attention on twitter like i tweeted it and i was like did that just happen and like a few people responded to me i was like but why isn't this blowing up this is like what why amazing it was so great i love it so much yeah but like too and we she like even at one point says like i'm a licensed physician and like you even put our our line like if you have to say that then like uh, probably what you're about to do is not what you should be doing yeah there are certain expressions in life that like i and i can't even recall any right now because 
I really need coffee. But yeah, there are certain expressions that like if you have to preface it with that or you have to say that before you do something, it's probably not a good idea. No, terrible idea. Yeah. And so Dr. Charles comes and, you know, scolds Natalie and basically says, like, you can lose your license for this. And it's just like, okay. take a drink. Yeah. Take a drink. Somebody said that you can lose your license, <laughs> Natalie. Yeah. And then, I mean, granted, we haven't seen how this plays out, but, like, probably nothing happened. Like, that's really the end of the drinking game is, like, take a drink for every time someone tells Natalie that, but then nothing happens to her. Literally. Well, no, I don't think anything did happen because Dr. Charles kind of covered for her. Well, no, that's what I'm saying is to, like, take a drink for every, like, that's, like, the other half. It's not just take a drink for when every time Natalie, you know, someone tells Natalie she could lose her license, but then also, like, nothing happened. Yeah, take a drink for every time somebody covers up her mess. Yeah. So then, yeah, Dr. Charles kind of ends up covering up the whole thing, and which is, like, on the one hand, great, but on the other hand, it's like, God, these guys really need to be punished at some point. I mean, Dr. Charles is no saint in this matter either because he basically talks her into a sleeping pill, at which point he's like, well, then we can argue that she can't really take care of herself. That is some underhanded shit, Dr. Charles. Yeah, but he knows the the system of med, which is like such a fucked up system, but like, you know, he knows how to over work the med system so <laughs> rules what are those yeah but then i mean dr charles is you know of course like the greatest and he you know asked natalie like point blank he's like this second time in this many months like you've overstepped like is everything okay but you know she doesn't still really say anything to that it's just kind of like in her brain she's like overstepped i do no such thing right yeah she doesn't see it as an issue even though it is she was also completely shameless about it this time. Like, in the past, she's been kind of sneaky about it. Oh, no, this time she was like, oh, fuck it all. We're forcing this shit down her throat. And Monique's like, um, mm. about that. Yeah. About that. I just, like, I have so many questions. Like, why did Monique actually, like, of all the times, why now? Like, why now did Monique be like, no, I have to go to Dr. Charles. I have to say something. It's just like. Hey, I mean. What do they say? Snitches get stitches, but I'm not complaining at all. I just, I thought it was like the greatest moment. I was, she was like, Dr. Charles, I think you need to come see there, whatever she said. And I was just like, oh my God. Yes. Monique, yes. Yes. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, Natalie. Oh, Natalie. Oh, Natalie. But I think, I think the question of what was the point of this, I think that's better suited to the Nat storyline because, I mean, what was the point of this? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. I mean, it was kind of the same story as always, right? Granted, I mean, when Dr. Charles was leaving, he just said, he's like, I don't think we prevented a suicide as much as we just prolonged one. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Nat's gonna nat. <sighs> yeah. I just, oh, Nat's gonna nat. Yeah. You wanna take us through Connor? Yeah, which... The Connor thing. I know, I know. I just, like, I can't. Okay. So, basically, what happens, Cornelius comes back in. He looks terrible. He's having issues, whatever. And Connor sees him, and, you know, they're talking, and Cornelius is like, I thought Dr. Becker fixed my ASD. And Connor's like, yeah, I thought she did, too. And it's just like, oh, dear Lord. It's like, oh, dear Lord. This is where we're going again? Like, 
Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, the minute anything goes wrong, we're always like, hmm, how did Ava fuck it up this time? Yeah. And so then, of course, Ava gets confronted about it. And, you know, she's, of course, like, denying anything because, as it turns out, it wasn't her fault. Uh, but, of course, so she's denying everything and, you know, Connor's throwing sling you know slinging disses at her and she's like i take it that's your passive aggressive way of saying i was careless and it's just like you know i know she really wants to like let it go but she's like trying to be professional i was really waiting for her to just finally look at him and yell it and be like screw you well she i think the end was kind of her way of like saying that but um yeah, so she's just, like, you know, done with him. But then, of course, as it turns out, it was just a fat pat. It was just a faulty patch. Like, it wasn't anything she did. It was just a bad batch of patches. We got to see Dr. Latham. That was cool. Yeah, you know, for, like, a hot sec, because that'll probably be the last we ever see of him. But, you know. I also like, though, the minute that he was, like, so Dr. Becker didn't do anything wrong – Dr. Latham was like, he, his face was just like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but that kind of feeds into this whole, like, them trying to throw it back onto Connor, that, like, it's all in Connor's head. Which is ridiculous, in my opinion. What do you think about this, that they're trying to flip it back on Connor now? <sighs> it's crazy. I mean, I hate using that word, especially in this, you know, discussion, but, like, it's just, yeah, like, it makes no sense. Yeah. Like, it literally makes no sense, especially because they've been building it, building it up to make Ava seem like the bad guy. And then, you know, and at that point, for the most part, we're all kind of turned on her. And then it's like, but wait, now you're telling us she's not the bad person? Like, what's the point? Not even just from Connor's perspective, but like, what's the point of it? From Ava's perspective and like why do that to this character only for her to not really be the bad guy. Exactly. Exactly. And I don't like that they're trying to spin this as it all being in Connor's head. Yeah. It just seems very crazy ex-girlfriend but not crazy ex-girlfriend. But like a dark crazy ex-girlfriend. I mean crazy ex-girlfriend got dark there for for sometimes but like i'm just saying like in terms of like the all it all being in your head kind of thing like that it's like seems very crazy as girlfriend but it's not actually crazy as girlfriend i mean i feel like throwing it back at connor is almost kind of a way of throwing it back at the audience too and i don't really like that feeling but i think it's more just because you know throughout the season we've taken a side in that we've been like ava seriously calm it down and this is kind of the writer's way of being like haha jokes on you the problem was actually the way you perceived it not you Ava so I mean by putting it all in Connor's head it's almost like they're putting it all in our heads too saying like jokes on you and I haven't obviously gone back and watched any of the like episodes leading up to this to like see if I can see it then from like that side but like in my head the first instance that comes to mind where I wouldn't it wouldn't make sense is the whole, um, like, the go- the glove cutting and Ava getting the, do you know what I'm talking about? Where she, like, is in surgery and her glove gets cut. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. 
Because, like, that actually happened. And there were witnesses to that moment that weren't yeah. just Connor. So, like, I don't know. Like, I, I, need to, I need to go back and, like, watch it and see if I could see it. And obviously we don't know how this is going to end out. But, like, still. It's just, like, it doesn't make sense on how that could actually legitimately be the thing. If there are instances where other people were witness to Ava's antics is the word I'm going to mm-hmm. go with. Um, yeah. Or Ava's presumed antics mm-hmm. um, that weren't just Connor. So, like, if other people saw it, how can it just be in Connor's head? Right. Right. I mean, Robin's quote-unquote kidnapping, that would be ridiculous if Ava had orchestrated it. So, like, that one, whatever. That's fine. She wouldn't deliberately cut her glove, like you were saying. No, I'm just saying that, like, if other people witness the cutting of the glove, mm-hmm. like, and, you know, the hysteria around that whole scene, then how can that be in Connor's head? No, but Connor's perceiving it as, like, she she let herself get cut. She, like, deliberately put her finger there. Right, but if there cut. are witnesses to it, and I guess we don't know what those witnesses saw, but if there are witnesses to that that also would agree with Connor... Maybe no one else agrees with Connor. We don't know. But, like, if there were witnesses that there and be like, yeah, she kind of, it kind of looked like she did it on purpose, then, like, how can that be in Connor's head? And maybe that's just that one example that doesn't, but, like, still. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, and then there was that episode with the, the, the guy that, um, the guy that Ray shot in the midseason finale and how they had to go back before the board. Mm-hmm. And... Connor thought that Ava created the problem so that she could fix it too. Oh yeah, yeah. See, the, this is what I don't like is that now that they're trying to say like, oh no, this is just Connor imagining these things. It's kind of like them saying like, you fell for it too, haha. See, and that doesn't necessarily bother me in some regards. Like that specific point, like the writers playing mind tricks with the audience. That part <laughs> isn't what bothers me. I think, and I think, honestly, the biggest part that bothers me is the fact that they're both leaving, right? And so that this is, like, kind of how we spent the last, you know, their last episodes is, like, dealing with this and dealing with, you know, like, weird characterization and, you know, throwing it back. Because, like, if this was the case and, like, Connor wasn't leaving, okay, fine. Maybe this could bring in a really interesting, like, mental health storyline for Connor, you know, like, something, you know, whatever. But, like, this is our last episode with Connor, and, like, it's just kind of like, huh? Yeah. So, like, in my mind, I think that's what kind of screws it up. Like, otherwise, like, I don't mind being, you know, having it look like something for, you know, ten episodes and then being, like, thrown around. And, you know, I, that doesn't bother me. What bothers me is that, like, this is the last episodes that we're getting, and this is how we're spending it. Yeah. Absolutely. So. True. So we got two questions here. Um, well, we kind of covered the one from Jeffy Pop Culture that we're assuming all the shady stuff Ava did is in no, Connor's yeah. head. Um, Allison said they've spent all season turning Ava into a lifetime movie stalker. And now we're supposed to believe that this is all in Connor's head and she's somehow the injured party. I'm not buying it. Something bad is going to go down between these two before the before the end of the season. Uh, who knows? And after this, too, it kind of why Ava fighting for their relationship. Because, I mean, she literally says at one point, you know, we didn't go over this last part. But, like, 
you know, like, she confronts him about the whole thing, and she's like, at no point did I cast you as the monster, or no, he says, you know, no, she says, I, at no point did I cast you as the monster, like, why did you insist on making me one, like, why do you want to hurt me so badly? And mm-hmm. so, like, if she says that, which, if this is where we're going, you know, she has every right to say, you know, like, that's how she's feeling, like, good for her for expressing, you know, just, like, saying, like, again, this is kind of her, like, screw you moment. But then in, you know, an episode or two, it's like, oh, she's fighting for their relationship. It's like, huh? Yeah. Huh? I, I, I don't think I've ever seen a ship so toxic in my entire life. Like. Yeah, I don't know if I have either. I mean, it's it's bad. Toxic. It's bad. I just. And again, they're not even together. So, like, what is she fighting for their relationship? Their friendship? Especially after the way that he's treated her, if she's saying that, you know, right, she's been the wrong party all along. Right. Again, she's like, why do you want to hurt me so badly? Just kidding. I, you can hurt me all you want if I can have you still. It's like, huh? The fuck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I can't. It's bananas. Just, yeah. Yeah. Any other notes about Med? No, I think that's it. Just, yeah. It was, the the Connor thing is just making me facepalm. Yeah. My goodness. Oh, so yeah. let's move on to fire because oh, boy. over on fire, we were hashtag blessed. And we weren't just like normal hashtag blessed. We were like triple blessed because there was so much Severide goodness going around. It was just amazing. Oh, my God. The best. The best. So we've got Severide doing the arson thing. Like, Severide could talk arson to me all day long. I'm here for every minute of it. See, and I would never want Severide to, like, move on from, like, being in, like, the fire, like, in the firehouse because whatever. But, like, if they ever, like, I feel like the only ever way to, like, write Severide off the show is to have him go work in OFI somewhere. Like, even if it's in a different city or whatever, but, like, he's got to work in OFI. Like, he needs to lead arson investigations for the rest of his life. I love, love, love that these arson investigations to him are, like, doing the crossword. He's just like, ooh, another arson. Yay! I love it so much. And there's a point. I was going to bring this up later on, like, at the very end when he, like, you know, finds that old arson file. But it's just, like, was he just, like, reading arson files as, like, a kid? Like, like how does he know? Because, I mean, granted, I'm just going to skip ahead. Because, like, that case specifically that he's, like, thinking about is from 2004. Which is when Kelly, I'm assuming, was, like, a teenager. Maybe, like, a late teenager. Like, 16, 17. I don't know how old he's supposed to be now. But, like, you know. So, like, was he just studying Benny's old cases? Like, how did he know about that one specifically? Enough to, like, have flashbacks or like recall it i no, you know i'm willing to bet in 2004 maybe he was just starting out in the academy and like as a baby baby firefighter okay so okay we'll we'll, we'll play the age game again okay remember when he jumped off the roof and he got hurt when anna was around when he jumped off the roof when anna was around anna was still in it because he couldn't donate or he was gonna donate bone marrow but then it was off but then since he was yeah. When he, he got injured. I don't know if he jumped off yeah. a roof, but yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so 
I remember just random details because I always do. It's just it's, it's me. Whatever. Um, when they wheel him in, they say he's 35. So what this is season? Yeah, yeah. Season four, season five, season five, maybe. Season five is Annis. So Kelly is probably now like 37. That's which means crazy. In 2004, he was probably about 22. And I only know that because I he's Sever. I, I know Severide is older than me, and I was like 17, 18 in 2004. That's fucking nuts. See, I was thinking Severide's like 34. No, Severide's like 37. That's crazy. 37, 38-ish. Just not look it. <laughs> no, I mean... No. That's about right for Taylor Kenny, isn't it? I think he's about that old. Um, see, I knew Taylor was up there because they're all kind of up there. Um, not that that's old. Spencer just turned 40. Spencer just turned 40? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Taylor Kinney's 37. He will be 38 this year in July. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Damn. So I bet okay. he was, like, in the Academy and just, I mean, but also, yeah, I'm with you, though. He probably grew up reading that kind of stuff just because, I mean, he was, I imagine growing up that he was, like, Benny Shadow and just, like, wanted to know everything that he did and, like, really looked up to him. I'm talking as a kid. And then as a teenager, probably was like, oh, fuck, my dad is not the dude I thought he was. Right. Okay. I thought you were saying as a kid, meaning, like, up until he was 18. And I was like, Gina. I was like, come on No, now. no. I mean, as you, a child. like, a kid. Then, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But I could totally see that, that, like, just playing around, he would go through Benny's old cases and just, like... Read them. I love that. I need a Severide prequel. That's what I need. Write that fic. Somebody needs to write that fic. Dude, just give me a Severide spinoff. Like, I would totally be okay with that. <laughs> like, instead of young Sheldon, just young Severide. But actually, though... I'd be here for that. Like, that would be fascinating. That would be fascinating. Because, like, literally, like, the last part would be, you know... Like, the last moments would be, like, Kelly going into 51. Like, that's, like, the series finale of that show. Oh, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, because it, I mean, like, because you have to, like, you bring in back Chrisom. You'd bring, like, you'd have all those things, like, in later seasons of that show. Like, come on, I can write it myself. <laughs> oh, my God. We should do, like, a podcast fanfic. And oh, just my. Take, take turns. We should. <laughs> We just brainstormed that. That just happened. I'm writing that down on the list of ideas for the summer. Oh yes, but like Severide, I've summer. got th- like I've got this. Oh, this is happening. <laughs> I mean, arson everywhere. It's so fantastic. Triple whammy of Severide goodness. Also, it's not just one scene of Severide eyes. It's a whole episode. The Severide eye porn in this episode is just off the charts. Spring is a good look on Severide. Because, like, it's yes. spring, the weather's nice outside, you know. It's a good look on Severide. It's such a good look. I just, I mean, those Severide eyes are popping. The whole episode, I'm just like, he's talking. I'm not hearing any of it. I'm just eyes. Yeah, I think that's literally, like, the only thing you texted me throughout that entire episode. Like, usually, because usually we'll send texts back and forth about plot and stuff. No, it was all, like, Severide eyes. Severide eye. Like, it was just, like, various texts of that. I'm pretty sure at one point I just, like, sat on the keyboard and just typed out eyes. Like, yeah, they're beautiful. Just, I could do a whole episode on Severide eyes. You really should. Why haven't you written that article yet? 
like top five Severide Eyes episodes. Because <laughs> they're all excellent Severide Eyes episodes. I mean, okay, granted, yeah, this one probably took the cake though because the whole damn episode was Severide Eyes. There was also the episode when they had the fake tornado because, like, the eyes, the, he had one moment where I was just like, holy shit, they're so blue. <sighs> but that's what I'm saying. Why haven't you written this episode yet? Because that's going to take digging back through seven episodes or seven seasons worth of episodes. I'm just saying. I mean, I could give up sleep. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. I mean, I feel like if I'm going to give up sleep for something, hunting through episodes for Severite Eyes is... Not the worst thing. Yeah. Not the worst thing. No. Not the worst thing. But yeah, so he meets the owner of the salon because, like, the salon catches fire and everything. She comes in. She's, you know, crying and just inconsolable. And she definitely picks the right shoulder to cry on. Seriously. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we've come a long way. Because, like, in past seasons, I would definitely be like, Kelly Severide, don't you dare sleep with her. But... Wasn't worried about that this time. No, not at all. Not a bit. No. But like OFI really doubted her too. OFI was like, well, all of this looked like she did it, blah, blah, blah. And Severide was like, why do you have it out for her? Like Severide really trusted his gut this episode. Like the eyes, the arson, the instincts, just. But that's always OFI though. Like OFI never, which is why I think like if Severide ever wants to leave 51, like the only acceptable way for him to leave 51 is to go into OFI because he does their job 10 times better than they do. He really does though. Yeah, it's just. He really does do OFI's job better than them. Like so much better. Just, just amazing. I just. It's, like, the best. The only way this whole thing could have been better is if they had just, like, thrown a kid into the mix somehow. <laughs> and then it would have been, like, the ultimate Severide storyline. I have a terrible idea on how they could have done that, but I'm not even going to say it. Because, <laughs> like, it's it's terrible. It's, like, very dark and terrible of me. I just, I, I feel like, I feel like I know what you're going to say. And if it is, you have a dark and twisted mind, my friend. You but, probably know what I'm going to say, what I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, basically, Kelly follows his instinct. There's some something up with the electrical system, basically. Uh, and there was a power outage right before the fire started. I mean, basically, Kelly, just from the get-go, is like, something's not right. And he follows it, and he's right that something is wrong. But... There was a whole thing with the salon owner's dog in this episode that they really, really could have done without. Yeah, like, re- like really could have done with, like, we did not need to see that. Yeah, like, they could have just mentioned that the dog... They found the dog. Was Yeah, that they found the dog. I Yeah, I have a real... I'm not squeamish when it comes to blood or anything or crime on TV. I can't handle that. When there's an animal at play and somebody hurts an animal, I can't do it. I physically well, cannot do it. I feel like the thing they could have done is, like, have Severide, like, walk over there or whatever and then, like, lift up whatever he lift up and then, like, cut to Severide, like, Severide's reaction and, like, cut it there. Yeah. Like, they still could have had all of that and, like, just not shown us that. Yeah, exactly. Like on PD when the guy electrocuted himself, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Like we didn't see anything. We just saw Burgess and Atwater's faces. Yeah. That would have been fine. Exactly. And even the initial scene when they first find the dog, I was like, okay, 
I don't like this, but like it's over. That's fine. But then they keep showing the image. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. No, no, stop. None of that. No. Like, no, again, no, no, I no. can. No, I can do blood. I can do crime. I can do. I can do a lot of stuff on TV. I cannot do animals getting hurt. It was, yeah, bad. Bad, bad, bad. Bad, bad, bad. Even on the news, like, I remember a couple months ago, they did a whole thing about, like, and it was during a one Chicago night or something. Like, they showed video of this owner, like, abandoning his dog or something in a parking lot. Just aired it during a commercial break. And I was like, I, I, what? Like, I felt attacked. I was like, I can't watch the rest of this. I'm so sad. Like, no, I can't do it. Yeah. Total soft spot for the animals. Yeah. Not good. But yeah, so Severide gets the feeling. He starts digging through old arson files. And the episode ends with him in Bowden's office. And he's just like, it's a cold case from 15 years ago. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Just the ultimate Severide storyline tonight. Hashtag blessed. Yeah. But I also love, we didn't talk about it. But like, I also kind of loved how, like, too, like, worried Stella is about him. And that, like, he's using this arson just as a distraction from having to go through Benny's stuff. Which is, like, kind of the underlying part of it was that, like... Benny's house sold or whatever, and so he had to go clear out all the stuff, so it's just, like, sitting at Sev's place, and, like, you know, he had mentioned that to Stella, and, of course, you know, she's like, oh, well, I wonder if this is just a distraction for him having to go through Benny's stuff, which, like, I'm sure in part was, but, like, that's not all of it. Right, and I I totally glossed over the Stella ride stuff. I kind of forgot that. I'm terrible, but, yeah, exactly. I just, oh, Stella... Yeah, and I love, too, how, like, based on, um, you know, like, other episodes, it seems like she's, or the episode descriptions, it seems like she's going to join in, because she can't, you know, and I just, I love it. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if we're going to get some sort of resolution with Stella Rye by the end of the season, or if they're just going to save that for season eight. I feel like they're going to just save it for season eight. Okay, I can work with that. I don't, I think it'd be too, right, like, I wouldn't like it if it got resolved in these two episodes that's true it would seem pretty abrupt of like all of a sudden stella's like hi i'm here to work that arson case with you and our clothes are off well and especially after the whole thing with foster and you know that whole situation like i just no like it's too rushed i feel like that's like a season eight mid-season thing like mid-season finale like thing but i could be wrong yeah and I'm just excited that we're going to follow this arson storyline through to the end because... I love a good arson story. God, Severide and arson. There's another thing ship. How did we never thing ship that one? I don't know, but that's a definite thing ship. Severide and arson. Severide and arson. It's the best. Literally the best. Yeah. Ugh. Do you think he teaches classes on arson at the academy as well? In addition to his Ninja Academy class? Oh, I'm sure. Oh, Something I'm sure. about, like, arsons and, like, how to spot them or, like... Arson 101 with Kelly Severide. God, we could write a prequel and, like, a post-51 thing where, like, he goes <laughs> to the Academy and it's, like, an old professor or something. We literally just have Kelly's whole life, like, mapped out for We've him. Just, we have just mapped out Kelly's entire life. So I'm, I'm imagining him in like as like a college professor with like a sweater and glasses and being like, "Hi, Professor Severide." Like, see that I don't imagine, but because yeah, I feel like Kelly's still cool. gonna be rocking the leather jacket even when he's like 80 years old. We got the leather jacket in this episode too. I mean, we were just blessed all around. 
<laughs> we really were. Every moment of this episode was just blessed with Severide goodness. So good. Beautiful. So, so good. Oof, so good. We also had a B storyline involving a piercing nozzle. What did you think of this one and where it falls in uh, the grand scheme of comedic storylines? It was was funny. I really liked this one. The caper was pretty hilarious when they tried to storm 27. Oh my god, that was the best part. So funny. It was so good. It was like them trying to go full, like, intelligence, but, like, not really. It was just, like, it was really funny. I I really hope somebody makes a gift set of, like, side-by-side of, like, maybe, like, Burgess and Ruzik trying to be sneaky or something versus, like, Crotus trying to do it. Like, when they're, like, around the corner of a building or something. It was so good. Oh, my God. So funny. So funny. But also a really funny way to loop Klingon Pill back into it. Yeah, I never thought he was coming back, but I guess he's going to be one of those, like, Macaulay, like, level guys for us now, which I kind of love. It's totally fine. Totally yeah, fine. Totally fine. I about died when, like, I think Klingon Pill caught them or something at 27, and, like, I think at one point Otis just looks at him, and Otis is like, stay out of it, floater! Yeah. Or, like, something super, like, immature like that. Oh, my God. That was funny. Yeah, the whole thing. I mean, even just, like, boating, shutting down their chief early on, too, because he, like, believes in his guys, and then when they have to go back to them, and, like, Bowden reads them just super easy, and they confess the whole thing, and he just, like, doesn't even bat an eyelash and, like, doesn't, you know, whatever, but he, like, calls up their guy again. He's like... Yeah, my guys will come clean your trucks. No big deal. Like, he, that's just, like, all he said. It's just, like, it's the whole thing. It's just so good. Yeah. Really funny. Really, really funny. Yeah. Oh, man. That was good. That was good. Elsewhere, we've got the Brett and Casey and Chaplin. Trio. So, yeah. Trio. Yes. Um, I am not here for the Chaplin anymore. Um, Yeah. I'm not here for him anymore. And especially after this episode, because he showed in this episode how little he knows Sylvie and how he almost underestimated her. Yeah, I mean, I'm not against it. I mean, I definitely agree with that part of it. I'm not not here for him anymore, just because, like, I've always really liked the chaplain's role. Like, regardless, I mean, obviously it was kind of nice when, you know, with the old chaplain, you know, because... Obviously, he was older, so it was kind of like he was just always, like, another father figure to everyone. But I've always just really liked having the chaplain around, and so I think that could be used again. But, like, obviously now it's kind of awkward, and like you said, he kind of underestimated Sylvie. Um, also, how did we just – I just noticed this time that the chaplain's office is at med. Yeah, I – Like – I feel like the old chaplain's office was in the ivory tower – or, no, the ivory tower is PD. But I feel like – at headquarters. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but it's, so why have we never seen him on med before? True story. Like, even just roaming the halls, like, why have we never seen that before? Right. I mean, I guess because he's a fire guest star, but still. Interesting. I point. just, I thought that, I was like, wait, huh? Since when is yeah, he at yeah. med? Like, what? I know, I know. I just, I don't like the way that the chaplain ended it with Sylvie. It was just, it was like... It was always weird to me that, I mean, he went to talk to Casey because Brent went to him and was like, hey, my friend is going through a thing right now. I mean, that's what friends do. So I don't really see a problem with it. And that made the chaplain break up with her because Casey was like, I don't want to talk. 
No, what made him break up with her was the whole, like, um, the whole idea about, uh, like, I can, like, picture it in my head. Um, just the idea that, like, it should be Casey coming to him, not, like, and that, like, is not, told, you know, I don't know, just not, like, really Brett's place when... It's not real. I mean, it is a fire issue, but it's not. It's not. I don't know. It's all complicated. But I mean, that, that that's the chaplain, though. He's sort of a counselor, isn't he? I don't know. What is the chaplain's actual role? Because in the originally, the old chaplain was. But originally, the chaplain only ever came around at times of grief, like Shay. Mm-hmm. He like came around for Gabby's Gabby um, miscarriage. Like, I don't know. We've never really seen the chaplain on, like, a not grief basis. Hmm. Except for when he was doing peewee hockey, but that's a different story. I mean, he hurt her, though, with that breakup. He oh, definitely. Her. For sure. For sure. So that's basically why I'm just, I'm not here for him anymore, especially after the things that he was saying to Casey when he was like, She's strong, isn't she? You didn't know that when you were dating her? But how, but the thing is, it's like, I mean, I still, I was never really, really for the chaplain or Brett, like, being together to begin with, but, like, not that I'm trying to, like, stick up for the chaplain, because that's not necessarily what I'm trying to do either, but it's also just, like, how long were they actually together? Like, for all he knew, maybe they were just having fun and dating. Maybe that's what, I don't know. They were only together for, like, a couple episodes. Yeah, and then, like, just TV time and real life time. It's right. just the weirdest scale, and then, yeah. Right, and so, like, when Casey goes to him, and, and he kind of calls him out for not doing his job, you know, he's like, the gang at 51 really needs you. Like, it'd be good for us, and it'd be good for Sylvie. Like, I don't know. Like, I didn't think it was as bad as, you know, I think some people were making it out. Mm-hmm. I Like, I don't know. Like, it was just... It was just what it was to me. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, I I liked Sylvie and the chaplain when they were together. And now I'm just like, you know what? You're not as good for her as I thought you were, sir. See, and I never really liked him Sorry. and her together. So, I mean, I didn't hate it, but like I didn't, like I never had, a, like it was too fast. I never got a chance to like have feelings about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Allison asked us, she was like, you know, I'm wondering why there are so there were so many scenes with Kyle. Like, do you think they're setting up a conflict where Kyle tries to get back together with her? And she decides she's interested in Casey. Um, and she was like, I don't think it would be out of character for Brett to try to get back with Kyle in some attempt to ignore her feelings for Casey. I think that's definitely what they're trying to set up. Yeah. Not necessarily a triangle, but I think that they're going to set up some situation where she has to choose. See, I don't know if I... I think I lean more towards the latter half of this. Like, Brett realizing after, you know, what she just... You know, her spin instructor told her that, like, maybe she does feel something for Casey. And then because she wants to ignore it, she's like, no, 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 no. And then when Kyle starts coming back around, because, you know, Casey asked him to. And for, like, the better of 51, like, maybe they talk. And then she's like, no, no, no. Like, let's get back together. Or whatever. But... That's how I would see it. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily like 
they're both so into her, and she's like, oh my god, I have to choose. Like, I don't, I, I don't think that's gonna happen these two episodes around, because I don't think Casey's gonna realize it yet. Right. And for Casey to, like, for her to have to make a decision like that, like, he's not gonna have realized it in these last two episodes. Right. That's, like, a season eight thing. So, I don't know. I mean, you think the cliffhanger is going to be something like Sylvie goes to him or something? You don't think they're going to end by, like, kissing or anything? Well, no, I think it will. But, like, I think for Casey having, like, to have come to this realization that he likes Brett in the last, like, two episodes, that seems a little much. Because he isn't caught into that yet, right? Like, so far, she's just gotten there, kind of. Not even really. I mean, he's made hard eyes at her. He doesn't really talk about his feelings ever. But he doesn't know that he was making hard eyes at her. He just knows that he's oh, starting to see her in a different light. We know that he kind of made hard eyes at her. And she, yeah, all true. she knows is that, like, her spin instructor says that, like, she should be with him. And that, mm-hmm. like, they're meant for each other. That's all she knows. She's, like, starting to see it. Maybe. We don't really know. But, like, she's mm-hmm. starting to have had someone plant the seed for her, and he hasn't gotten there yet. So for him to make some kind of declaration in two episodes is, like, huh? So I'm not saying they don't kiss or anything, but, like, for him to have, like, realized he has feelings for her in two episodes kind of seems like a lot. Yeah. Hmm. So. There were some moments between Casey and Brett that were yeah. nice. Really nice. Just Yeah, they were nice. Um, when Casey... And Brett are talking after she sees the chaplain and everything. And he's like, yeah, I still can't walk past Gabby's locker. Every time he says Gabby's name, I hurt a little bit on the inside. So I'm just like, Dazzy, like, pour some out. I will say, though, I mean, it hurts. Not as much me as it does other people, I'm sure. But, like, I kind of like that they keep referencing it. Because I think it'd be weird if they just flat out ignored it. So, like, the fact that, you know, like, we've seen him, like, want to call her. Or, you know, we've seen him, you know, he just said that line, like, I still can't walk past her longer. Like, it shows that, like, yeah, like, they didn't just, like, up and forget that she existed. Exactly, exactly. So, even if, if he is out of sight, out of mind to her, it's definitely not vice versa. Well, because, like, he, you know, for her, she's in a new environment. Like, he's not. Right. So, like, it makes sense that he would be reminded of things. Like, he can't, you know, like, can't, like, see her locker and, like, thinks of her. Like, that would, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But. So. Um, I love the moment when Brett sits down with him at Molly's and just says, I was thinking, we should totally be dating. Okay. I don't know who wrote this episode, but that line was genius. I'm looking up who wrote this episode now. But yeah, oh my god, so good. And then he, the look on his face is just like, no, 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 no. And it was just like so in character for her. I like loved it so much. That line was genius. I'm looking it up. Let's see. Who wrote? Um, Matt Whitney and Jamila Daniel. Well done. Yeah, seriously though. That was funny. That was so really good. funny. But yeah, so Brett tries to set Casey up with her spin instructor, and they have like the cutest game night ever. Where the hell was our invite? Seriously, though. Also, where was Chloe? That's a good question. I mean, I guess she just couldn't make it that night, but like, you had Lily. 
Why not Chloe? I'm just saying. We haven't seen Chloe since her accident, have we? We haven't. That's sad. I know. More Chloe, please. Please. More Chloe. More Lily. Please. Please. Please, please. Yeah, so funny. Um, Yeah, their game night was good, and they they played charades at one point, and I was like, this is awkward, but adorable. Do you know what what show they were referencing? Because I sure as hell don't. I know of the show. Never seen an episode of my life. I mean, it's it's like a seventies or eighties show. I'm googling it. Hold on. The show is Emergency, which is like yeah, yeah, yeah. This, yeah. It's like Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, Chicago Med of like the seventies or eighties. If if I remember correctly, I could be wrong on the year. Um, it aired. It was 122 episodes from 72 to 77. Also on NBC, ironically. Oh, okay. Um, nice. Yeah, I just had never even heard of it. So, I didn't know if that was, like, me just being a youth or not. I, what the? Oh, wait. Hold, hold up. Hold up. Why is this? <laughs> I'm looking at this now. The setting of the show is Station 51. Get out. Oh, that's funny. Squad 51, Engine 50. Why is this 50? Why? <laughs> what is this? This is so crazy. That's so funny. Yeah, I'm looking this up now, too. I'm trying to... Squad 51. That's funny. Engine 51. Six additional two-hour television films during the next two years. Wow. So, starring. Okay, I don't recognize, I, I don't recognize any of these names. Mm, I don't either. Interesting. God, we're learning so much. I know, but, like, crazy. I bet that's why they picked the emergency. It was the Squad 51 I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure. Yeah. But, like, I just, I didn't know if you would recognize the show because I certainly did not. No, I didn't. The Firefighter Engine Company at Station 51. That's funny. So funny. It's awesome. Yeah. No, I didn't recognize the show at all. So, I mean, yeah. And, and what was Casey doing watching old shows from the 70s? I don't know. And the fact that they, like, got it and everyone else, Cruz's face, like, when he, like, calls it out and Brett's like, yeah. And Cruz is like, what the fuck? Like, how did you pull that one? Like, she's like, yeah, because that made no sense. No, no sense at all. Their little high five I enjoyed. Yeah. Brett and Casey. Yeah, that was, I enjoyed that. I got the vibe throughout the whole episode, though, with the spin instructor that she was into Sylvie. I did not get that at all. I totally got that vibe. I was waiting, but like, towards the end when they're talking, and she's like, Sylvie, like, you're the one who's met with Matt Casey. I was literally thinking that line was going to be like, you know, you really couldn't tell that I've been into you this entire time. Like, I thought she was totally into Sylvie. I did not pick that up at all. I mean, I feel like that line, though, when she's like, you're meant for each other, I'm like, okay, okay, tap the brakes, spin instructor. Tap the brakes. Like, that's a little too much. Yeah, I think you could have just said that, like, you could have just said, like, you're the one that should be with him. Like, that's totally fine to, like, see their chemistry or whatever. But, like, yeah, that they're men for each other. Like, how close are you guys? Exactly. Yeah, that was a little too strong. Too strong. Yeah. So, like, I thought I agreed, but, like, the first half of that line was good. Yeah. Yeah. So... We wanted to hear from you because this is probably the most polarizing issue I feel like we've ever seen since we started the podcast, right? hmm Yeah. So, you know, 
we are for it, as we've said. It's not that we are like, okay, we must agree on this or we must disagree. It must be unanimous. It's just that we both happen to be in favor of this. But we're fully aware that there's a good 60 to 70 percent of the fandom that is not in favor of this. And so we wanted to talk about it. Um, We opened it up on Twitter. You guys might have seen the tweet. You guys, we got over 50 replies. And that's not even including DMs that we got. Emails. Well, tweets that we got. Emails. Like, it was a very, you guys were very active, which is what we wanted. It's exactly what we wanted. Thank you for talking to us and letting us open up this discussion and really just talk about both sides of the issue. Both sides. So we're not saying that the fact just because we are both in favor of this does not mean that that's the right or wrong way to feel about this. There is no right or wrong way. Right. Exactly. It's just that we we just happen to be in favor of it. But that doesn't mean that if you're not in favor of it, you're wrong. That's not what it means at all. Right. So we wanted to kind of break this down and kind of see both sides of the issue. So where shall we start? Oh, my goodness. We have so many replies. I think this is an interesting example. Let's, I think, okay. So Laurel said, in a way they could work, because I saw something there, but they had a relationship with, like, both the Dawson siblings, which is a factor for me. Plus, you can't date your friend's ex-husband. It reminds me of private practice when Addison was dating Sam, and I felt for Naomi. It's a gray area. Albeit, I didn't watch private practice, but that is a good example. Did you watch private practice? No, I didn't. I like I've only ever watched it in like the crossover episodes of Grey's. So like when they mm-hmm. popped up on Grey's a couple of times. Um Yeah. But I mean, that's a great example cuz mm-hmm. obviously I again, I don't really know how that worked out. I know I know when I mean Addison and Sam were together and I think he proposed at one point and then she said no, but I don't know anything else beyond that. Yeah, the whole the part the part that doesn't bother me is that she dated Antonio. That doesn't bother me. I can see how Gabby being her best friend and Matt's ex-husband does not sit well. I can see that. The Antonio part of it doesn't bother me as much, though. No, that doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, guys, we had so many. It's like we're trying to pick a few that, you know, represent both sides. But, like, again, we got tons and tons of responses. I think Alex had a really good point when she said that chemistry is subjective because it is. Right. Yeah, definitely. You know keep going i mean we we think that they have really good chemistry together but another person could see that as oh you know it feels really forced like and i keep taking it back to ryan and taylor on the oc but i mean that's the example i keep coming back to because i didn't like them together i didn't feel like they had any chemistry even in the show i'm watching right now i'm binging 90210 for the first time i cannot stand kelly and dylan in my head they have zero chemistry but I have friends who I'm talking to about this and they're like, are you kidding me? Kelly and Dylan were the best together. So chemistry is subjective. I think that's a really good point that, you know, we're not all seeing this the same way and that's okay. Yeah, it was totally okay. Yeah, but I think the thing that I also think is interesting about her message and that she's not the first to bring up, you know, was that it kind of seemed out of character for Brett because you know, like, she would never get with Casey. Like, it'd be completely out of character for her to, like, turn on Gabby. I, it's so hard for me to talk about that because it's so weird to say, like, I think if Gabby was still around, yeah, it probably would be. And, like, if Gabby was still around and Gabby and Matt just, like, weren't together anymore, then yeah, 
I think maybe Brett would never do that. But as we talked about in our bonus episode of, you know, with Tamar from the shipping room, you know, the circumstances are so different because Monica chose to leave the show and things ended the way they ended. Like, Gabby's just not really in the picture anymore for convenience sake. You know, she doesn't really Mm -hmm. keep in touch with Brett as far as we know. And, you know, that's what it is. So the circumstances are very different than if Gabby and Matches weren't together. But Monica would even, like, theoretically still coming back at some point. But, you know, but you guys can listen to that whole conversation on our bonus episode. So. So Nicole said that, you know, she feels like the whole situation's taboo and and should have learned their respective lessons about dating in-house. I mean, we have yet to see an in-house dating relationship that has worked. Yes, but also, and I feel like this kind of goes back to, like, a lot of jobs where, like, the weird, the hours are weird and stuff. Like, when you're there on shift for 24 hours, all you know is other firefighters. Like, you don't really have much of a life outside of that because you're on shift, like, every other day for 24 hours at a time. You literally mm-hmm. just know firefighters. It let I mean, specifically in your house, but like, yeah, it, I guess it extends to the larger world of firefighters. But like, really, just the ones you work with, right? So like, yeah, I guess. But like, where else are you going to meet someone? Exactly. I mean, they're together all the time. It's kind of like with Grays. People are always saying on Grays, like, why are they all coupled up? Because they only ever see each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. There's just so much to go through. We have so yeah, I thought this one from Carrie was interesting. Um, while I did love Dossie, I can kind of understand why they may gravitate towards, or Matt and Sylvie may gravitate towards each other. They have a lot of character similarities, morals, behaviors, etc. So while it may be awkward, like, I can see it. Mm-hmm. On the flip side of that, Beth says she's not a fan. She feels like, Kev- or I feel like Severide and Casey have flipped roles. Severide's just kind of chilling, and Casey's desperate for love slash to not be lonely. And honestly, it's way out of character for Brett. She would never hurt Gabby like this. I uh, kind of agree on the flipping roles with Casey, but I don't feel like Casey's desperate. No, I don't either. I think he's just, it's so weird, like, you know, trying to navigate waters after someone's divorce. Like, how do you navigate, like, when you've only been with, well, when you've been with this person for so long, like, everything's changed. Like, how do you deal with that? Right. So, um, let's see. I love this comment from Jamie. Um, Jamie mm-hmm. P said, I'm neutral, love their growing friendship, and I think Brett is a positive, lighthearted presence in Casey's life. And conversely, he's a nice, loyal dude. So if it turns into more, cool. If it's just a solid friendship, I'm on board with that too. They're both single, so why not? Yeah. Erin had a good one here. She said, Casey was married to a Dawson. Brett dated a Dawson. I could see them bonding over that and it becoming something more. I do think it would be a lot like Stella Ride, though, very off and on. Yeah, I definitely. I see that. Uh, yeah. 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 It's going to take them some time to, like, figure it out. Mm-hmm. So we got an email from a fan in Iceland. Yeah, yeah. That's the only one I didn't put in there because it was too long. Yeah. Which, of course, we saw that and we were like, Iceland? Uh, yeah, so we got an email from Yona. And she had some good points about this as well. Yeah, she says, I'm very conflicted about Casey and Brett. Either I love it and I'm excited to see what happens next, or I think it's awkward and not such a good idea. So she's yeah. kind of going back and forth. But I think the thing that I thought was most interesting about the whole thing was that she was talking about a lot of it coming down to the writing. You know, because she's like, 
where did she say, you know, I think it will come down the writers, like, how will they write the relationship? They can write it in a good way, make it believable. It'll probably work. Um, you know, she was a little surprised, but, you know, like, and maybe it might have been better to make them slowly become good, like, good, closer friends. And then, you know, like, have them come to it, kind of like I had mentioned before about, like, the Monica Chandler thing on Friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then she also, you know, was talking about, too, about, like, the discussion of social media and how that can, like, maybe even hurt some things, too, because, like, people debating and informing opinions. Um, and that, like, you know, she said, I think what time what sometimes is the problem with TV shows is that the shows have already decided who to put together, like, the Ross, Rachel and Ross. Um, and, you know, obviously that's a formula that we all know too well. So I just, she was like, I think that's honestly in some ways, like, why Brett and Casey could be a really good couple is because, like, it is so unexpected. So. Yeah. So, I yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a very polarizing issue I'm seeing. Um, and it's fine. I mean, it's totally fine. And we get into more depth in this in the bonus talk that we had with Tamar that you guys can listen to. But, yeah, I mean, whether you're for it or against it, it's cool. We can all have different opinions and. Yeah. You know, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Um, any other notes on fire? No, I think that's it. All right. Let's move on over into PD. So PD. Oh, man. Um, where I do, do. Do we start with the elephant in the room? Do no. we start with questions? No. No, just you go. With questions? Get, no, just get the basics of the case over with and okay. then move on to everything else. Because the case... In the grand scheme of things, not as important. Not as important. Easy to follow, too. Yeah. Um, but just get that over with, and then we can move on to everything else. Because the questions are kind of from last week's episode when we didn't do an episode, or mm-hmm. from the last episode we have. So, like, we'll get to those later. But just go over the case first. So, first and foremost, I want to start off and mention that this episode was written by Gavin Harris. Was we- it? Yes. Yes, it was written by Gavin Harris. We love Gavin Harris. He has done some amazing episodes. We really, really want to get him on the pod. Just put that out into the universe that we <laughs> would love, love, love to have Gavin Harris on the pod. Gavin, we don't want spoilers. We're not going to ask you like uncomfortable questions. We just really love what you do and your episodes. And we just kind of want to like talk about it. My favorite thing was we were like, we love Gavin Harris. It's like he doesn't know it yet, but we love Gavin Harris. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't know we exist, but we love him. <laughs> so, um, most notably, he wrote the episode last season when Atwater was abducted, just to refresh your memories. And oh, such a good episode. Such a good job. I mean, every one of his episodes is always just like a standout. It's just, so good. I think we can just like start the Gavin Harris fan club. <laughs> And, like, him not even know it. I think we can just, like, have a two-person Gavin Harris fan club. But actually, though. But actually, though. I mean, his episodes are just above and beyond and excellent and wonderful. And so I really liked this episode. So the gist of it is that there is a robbery crew that is pulling off these rips on basically, like, wholesalers who are selling, basically selling pills or stocking pharmacies and hospitals with with pills and so this robbery crew keeps hitting these trucks and everything and basically they they find they basically interrupt a buy and the woman buying the pills her name's gina which you know name twins hey um but yeah so it turns out 
they because they were they were pretty much thinking it was opioids the whole time. It's not opioids. It turns out that these pills that she's buying off the streets are it's a drug called Lumisin. It basically replaces she has a liver disease and the the pill replaces this enzyme that her liver doesn't produce. She has to buy it off the streets because it goes for forty thousand dollars a month. That's crazy. That's sickening. Yeah. Just terrible. Oh, beyond terrible. So bad. So, I mean, the case had a lot of interesting points in there. So, you know, they're at first they're thinking it's opioids and Antonio's basically like, hey, I have this in to this person I know. And, you know, Voight's kind of skeptical. And so Antonio says, he's like, if you've got a problem with me around opioids, just say it. And Voight just goes, I just did. How it just like it kind of sucks that I feel like the Voight and Antonio relationship is finally solidifying itself like two or three episodes before Antonio leaves. Well, I thought Allison brought up a good point, too. She said, maybe I'm just reading too much into it since we know John State is leaving, but, like, Voight not trusting Antonio on case involving op- opioids seems like it could be a pretty big issue for him continuing to be an in intelligence, like, because of how much I, intelligence deals with it, but, like, I don't know. I would think that Voight would need to kind of regain, or he would, Antonio would have to re-earn Voight's trust, and then after a while, Voight would be okay with it. Right, but, like, he's clearly not there yet, so. Right. Not at all. No. Um, elsewhere with the case, Ruzik is the king of undercover. Oh my god, I love Ruzik undercover. It's so great. He it's it's almost like Severide and Arson. Like, they just go so well It's a thing ship, yeah. Oh, it's total thing ship. Ruzik and Undercover. It really is, best. though. So good. And, like, during the Undercover buy, like, he had that hoodie and, like, oh, just, yeah. It's just, I think he's, like, my favorite Undercover person. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Because, I mean, it used to be John, but, or Antonio, but that hasn't happened in a long time, so... Do you think that's, like, a Ruzik thing or a Patty thing or both? I think it's what Patty brings to Ruzik. So, there in turn, it's both. Yeah. So. I can see that. That line, though, when he's like, it was just a cop car. They probably lost their donuts. Like, Ruzik. So good. So funny. This whole twist, though, with the pills. I mean, that was just crazy. Uh, I mean, it's horrifying kind of really that like you know it runs for forty thousand dollars at street level like who who can who can afford that what human can afford that right i don't know i mean i guess like in some regards like it doesn't surprise me like having worked in medical like it doesn't surprise me yeah and i mean this just goes back to one of those things that pd does really well which is you know they tackle the big issues yeah Inside, like, but not overtly, like, you know, on med kind of way. Like, you know, they do it in their own way that works for them. And I thought this was right. a really smart way for them to do that. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, there were just some, like, crazy lines in there that was, you know, like, those robberies might be my only hope at seeing my daughter grow up. I help you, I die. Oh, my God. It's crazy. Yeah, it's so crazy. But the whole case ends up with, you know, basically – Gina's husband works for the company that keeps getting robbed and he basically kept tipping off his cousin and his cousin would pull off the robberies. Wild. Just, yeah, totally wild. Totally wild. So, 
yeah, the case was just nuts. But I mean, I think the and there's just like so much more about the case that well, yeah. So I it's one of those. This is definitely a case where the it's not black and white at all. It's completely gray the whole way through. Yeah. And like it's, you know, just like we were talking about with the Brett and Casey thing, it's that, you know, different opinions, you know, you're going to come out on either side of it and that's okay. It's just how do you feel about what Voight and Brennan did at the end? (sighs) I don't know. Like you said, it's so hard because like I haven't really gotten a chance to go back and watch it yet. Like I'll be honest. So like in the moment, God, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like this is something and it's going to take me a second. Like, it's going to take me a second or even a third time watching it before I'm, like, actually know how I feel about it. Right. But how do you feel about it? Because you've watched it a couple times now. I feel like Voight and Brennan did the right thing. That's kind of where I, like, initially was falling. Yeah, I just, going through the whole episode, I was just like, they really can't take this pills from this woman. Like, they, they know that she's going to die without it. And... Right. You know, no normal person can afford $40,000 a month in pills. That's right. $480,000 a year. Right. I mean, yes, I, I feel like Boyd and Brennan did the right thing. Well, I think that's why, um, you know, like when he like says, you know, he like plants the seat, you know, he's like, you're better than Kelton. And I think that kind of, you know, obviously speaks volumes to that. Like he really like, yeah, she's done some shady shit, but like by working with him, but like you know, deep down, Voight can see that, you know, she's a good person. And I think, because, you know, remember how at the beginning of the season when her character was teased that, like, I really thought it was going to be more, way more about them, and then she kind of, like, went off the grid for a while, and, like, we never, we didn't really see Anne Hayes that much. And then she just kind of, like, popped back up with Kelton. Like, I think Mm -hmm. this is, like, makes all of that okay. Like, this is, like, the kind of thing that I wanted out of that relationship this whole time. Yeah, exactly. And I'm glad that that was the first thing that was out of his mouth when she said, like, you know, I took care of it. And he the first thing out of his mouth was like, you're better than Kelton. I mean, that's yeah. You know, Kelton probably would have taken the pills. Probably not to. Probably not even being by the book, I think he would have taken the pills just to bolster his image. Oh, yeah, for sure. He would have used them. Yeah. Yeah, so that was actually a pretty good scene. No, I think, again, I think that makes this whole storyline worth it. It's I just Anne Heche's character worth it. I wonder if that's planting the seeds of having Brennan turn on Kelton. So somebody brought that up for later on, but we can talk about that when we talk about um, the poli- like the little bit of political stuff that came up. Yeah, yeah, I, that would actually be really entertaining. Yeah. But, I, yeah, that, that, it's a heavy case, but it was, it was a good case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really good case. So should we tackle the Upsick stuff? Yeah, let's just keep time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just go into it. Okay. So um, we started off with Bedhead Adam. We were so blessed this week on all three shows. I love Bedhead Adam. It was the best. So good. Just just the best. That opening Upsick scene, like I usually don't enjoy Upsick scenes, but I actually kind of liked it. when they were getting in the car and Ruzik was talking about Kelton breaking up the team and everything. And she just goes, you're adorable when you're stubborn. And he's like, I'm not stubborn. I'm right. Like 
no, you're you're stubborn and you're pretty adorable. She's actually quite right on this one. <laughs> yeah, so good. She's pretty right. And Ruzik was wearing aviators this episode and just hashtag blessed all around. Hashtag blessed. Indeed. And we got a lot of burge water too. Just blessed everywhere. I know. We really were. We really, really were. So the whole deal with Ubzik this episode is that they are having an issue balancing the personal and the professional. And so we see it actually on both sides. We see an instance where, you know, her judgment gets clouded, his judgment gets clouded, but it all works out. And so. Well, I guess instance, depending on how you say works out, but yeah, it it resolves itself. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, that was bad phrasing on my part. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, Haley makes the call when he's undercover to send in a patrol car as a diversion because basically the undercover kind of goes a little bit awry and the buyer wants Adam to kind of take a ride with them. And so Adam in his head, he's like, I got this. I'm fine. But Upton sends in the patrol car and it kind of unravels everything. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's worth mentioning, though, when Adam confronts them in, in the 21st and he's like, who made the call? And Jay just goes, it doesn't matter. Like, totally had his partner's back. Doesn't even matter. Yeah, because they're partners. I love them. But yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. The best. The best. Um, And then, of course, Haley fesses up. But when she's like, don't worry, it wasn't about us. Oh, no, no. No, it was totally about you. Totally about you guys. I think she makes that call for Jay. I don't think she makes it for Kevra Burgess. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. No. But the whole deal with Upsick, and I mean, the the end sequence, basically, before they apprehend the cousin, it's like a crazy-ass shootout. I mean, it was, like, I was really surprised that Upton did not get shot, because I feel like that those shotgun blasts were coming, like, right at her. That was crazy. But, uh, yeah, so she, she ends up taking, like, she has, like, some glass in her leg, basically, and she basically wants to kind of distract the cousin so that they can take him down. And Adam's trying to be like, no, like, you're hurt. Stay there. Stop it. Like, we're going to resolve this. And she's finally like, I'm good. Just stop. So they both kind of have to weigh the personal and the professional there. But that takedown was something. I mean, I still am not quite sure what Haley was doing with that broom. No. Yeah. I don't understand. It all worked out, I guess. Yeah, you just kind of let that. It's one of those things you just kind of let go because it all worked out in the end. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was also really curious about what kind of gun that was that the cousin had, because that was like some heavy duty shit. That did not look like your typical gun. When they walked in and apprehended him, I was like, what the fuck is that? Like, what kind of video game did that come from? I know. I like, now that I'm home for a couple days, like I've been meaning to ask, like I need to ask my brother be like, yo, because he know he like, he's pretty good with like recognizing those kind of, I'd be like, yo, Noah, what is this? What is this? What video game is it from? Yeah. That was some heavy duty shit. Yeah. And yeah, and so I, I think they were trying to use Haley as a distraction, and then, like, Jay was going to apprehend him. I don't know what they were going for. And there was some moment where, like, Jay looked at Haley, and, like, he made some hand gestures. I would have been useless in that moment, because I would have been standing there like, what? What are you trying to say? But huh? they're partners. Like, like they, they don't, they like, they, they yeah, they speak each other's language. Yeah. And then Jay wrestles the guy. They shoot the gun in the air. Ruzik pulls off some sort of crazy wrestling move to, like, get him to the ground. Oh, man. That was bananas. So good, though. But anyway, so basically, the episode ends in the Upzik breakup. That we've all been waiting for. Upzik is Dunzik. 
Hallelujah. Pour some out. Yeah, hallelujah. Mm, you know, pour some out for the Epsix. Hallelujah. I, you know. Yeah, I, I just, I can't, I can't sit here and be like, I'm so devastated. They're broken up. I'm just kind of like, well, that was long overdue. Oh, yeah. Now, again, we know that there are people out there who do ship them, and that's great, and, you know, that's okay. We just don't. We just don't. No. No. I just don't feel it. And I know I've said at certain points this season that I'm like, you know, I feel like she's what, she's more his speed right now, but that doesn't mean that I'm in favor of it. Yeah, no. No. But their breakup scene was surprising because they, I mean, they both approached it with like a lot of maturity, which is not surprising on Upton's part, but really surprised me on Adam's part. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, he's now been in this situation twice with in-house romances. And I think, you know, he's grown a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Yeah. yeah, it did kind of surprise me. My favorite thing about this scene, and might be my favorite, like, line of dialogue in the episode, is basically, you know, Ruzik says, it's hard being together and working together. And Haley just looks at him and says, it's more than that, though. Gavin Harris, man, like, this line says so much by saying so little. Yeah. And that was just, I love how it's just, like, implied, you know, because it doesn't, you know, I think one of the beautiful things about the way that that's crafted, too, is that, like, we don't really know, right? Like, what she means by that. We think we know what she means by that, but we don't really know. Right, right. It's open to interpretation. I interpret that as her just basically saying, we don't have it. Well, and I also love, too, that, like, you would also, depending on where she, like, how soon, you know, anything with Halstead ends up happening. But, like, Mm -hmm. you could also imply that that she also means that, like, it's more than that. Because I think I realize that, like, I don't feel the same way for you that I do about Jay. That's true. I didn't think about that. So, like, there's a lot of ways you could take it. And depending on how the storyline goes is, like, I think how you can go back and be like, oh, that's what she meant. Yeah. But it said so much. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. It was really good. And that that hug at the end, like. It was good. It was really, really good. I also just love, too, how, because we don't really get to see much of Trudy anymore, but just, like, the fact that Trudy is the one that just kind of, like, sat her down was, like, listen. This is how, yeah. this is, like, how it actually goes. Like, trust me. Like, mm-hmm. and I, I just, I loved all of it. Yeah, I want to see more Platt and Upton scenes together, especially just because of the way, like, Platt impacted her when she was growing up. Like, I really want to see more Platt and Upton scenes. Yeah, we just don't get much of Platt these days. We definitely should. I know. Now that there's a opening, not that she'll fill the another one in, in intelligence, but, you know, like... They could. There's more room for her now, more, or at least have more scenes. So, do you know how badass that would be if they moved her upstairs? I mean, I know I had said that after Alinsky died. Like, I would love that. They can't. Yes, they can. They can find a new desk sergeant. But no, she like got injured. Remember, she like can't. She got injured. Remember, they like put she got her shot at- in the ass. Yeah, I know, but I thought that did something else. That's why she's been on desk sergeant ever since. I didn't think so. Maybe, maybe it did. I thought she's been a desk sergeant ever since. I don't remember that part. I could be wrong, but like, I, or maybe that's what they implied. I don't know. I just got that vibe that that's like why. Burning question. This is why it would be helpful if Gavin could come on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So I don't Interesting. know. But 
yeah but regardless i love that it was her that you know laid it out for her yeah absolutely so do you want to take us through some of the listener reactions to this yeah so um i mean again most people we got were happy about it um there was one later on that we'll talk about in a second so basically you know jamie said i'm really happy for this for that to be the reason they broke up to just mutually and maturely be like this isn't gonna work no one cheated no one died agree 100 percent Mm-hmm. Um, Vicky said, you know, happy. They were pretty much the prime example of why Hank had his no couples un- in the unit rule. They never had the foundation to be anything more than placeholders. There's no foundation to build a relationship off of. Not now, sooner or later, it would go bust. That's true. Yeah. And it does still bug me that we there there was no foundation to the relationship. I really want to get some clarification on that about like what drove them together because it really seems like Ruzik just took advantage of her vulnerability that night after the crossover. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of going off somewhat. Nettie said it should have never gone past a one night stand. She never trusted him to do his job. She was never happy with how he did his job. She actually didn't even seem to like him as a person. It was a quagmire in which made neither of them look good. She, she definitely never trusted him to do his job. Yeah. She was definitely never happy with how he did it. Yeah. But I think C.P. Halstead fan makes a good point. She said, you know, they've shown an old relationship so they can date and work with someone. They just can't do it together. And she was like, I'm glad they realized that. I also like how he agreed. I feel like there was a deeper meaning behind that comment, not just that they would both wouldn't give up their career for each other. It's more like we both know we have feelings for other people and like who we would give our career up for. It's just not them. Yeah. I love that It comment. was very, very, very amicable. Yeah. It was definitely very – Yeah, I love that. But, you know, again, lots of people we got, you know, a lot of people saying, you know, it was long overdue and that, you know, they're thrilled, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we did get, you know, one comment, I think maybe another, but really just one comment, you know, from someone who wasn't as happy about it. Um, Catherine said, you know, she was very, very sad. And I, I literally asked her and I was like, can you elaborate on that? Because we really don't know anyone else that was sad about this. And she said, you know – I love a surprise hookup that develops in a more. I think Patty and Tracy have amazing chemistry. I find their relationship sweet and sexy and interesting. And she was just like, I just connect to them. Which I thought was, again, not how I feel personally, but valid that Catherine feels like that. Yeah, And that absolutely. she found a way to connect. You know, she like she said, she just connected to them. And I just, again, I thought that, I, again, interesting because we don't really hear from that many people. But I'm glad that we heard from at least one. You know what's interesting about what she says, you know, she thinks Patty and Tracy have amazing chemistry. I do agree with that. I think Patty and Tracy have good chemistry together, but it doesn't translate for Haley and Adam. I'd agree with that. I think the actors gel together really well, but the characters, not so much. Just doesn't translate. And I feel like that's okay. I mean, and I feel like that happens. They just thought they were like, maybe they saw that off screen and that's why they wanted to try it on screen. And they were like, oh, this doesn't just work as well. Okay, fine. Right. Um, I thought this was an interesting question from Chicago Girl. Um, and she mm-hmm. said to those who want, and this was on our Twitter, but um, I guess we'll answer it. So even though um, Chicago Girl said to those who want her with Jay so bad, curious to know how the reasons for which she ended it with Adam will not apply to Jay. 
for him, she'll leave intelligence. Like, how would it be okay for Haley to jump from Adam's bed to Jay's? Um, Alicia had replied that and said, I think the main difference is that she trusts Jay explicitly, and especially on the job, she never trusted Adam. Jay and her have shown and proven they can work well together, also for the final line, but it's more than that, though, isn't it? It's very telling, and I think we will see more with it. Yeah, I agree with Alicia. She definitely trusts Jay explicitly. Um, and maybe for that reason, like, we won't really see Upstead develop for a while because God. neither one... I know. Neither one of them is going to want to leave the unit. It's going to turn into a Josh and Donna all over again, which you never finished. So you don't know, but like still. No, but I know how they ended. Okay, but you don't know all the angst of season six. Season six was torture. I mean, when I finish the 11 billion shows that I'm binging right now, I will get back on my West Point <sighs> and grind. You say that, but... I'm binging three shows right now. What do you want from me? I know, and you need to stop Beverly Hills so you can finish Veronica Mars before ATX, but... Not gonna happen. There's no way I'm finishing Veronica Mars in, what, three weeks? Okay, if you stop the other shows, you could. I'm just saying. But if I don't want to stop 90210? (laughs) (laughs) I can't with you. Anyway, not the point, but this is... They do this with Jay and Haley. I'm gonna like lose it. I, yeah, I'll lose it all over again. But who? I mean, we don't know if Upstead's gonna end up being endgame for each other if they happen. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna have to end in one of them leaving Intelligence. They might get together and then just kind of be like, "Oh shit, this was a mistake." Right. But like, I also then feel like too, if that's the way the writers want to go. Then, like, don't prolong it for, like, a season or even two. Just, like, get over it. Like, get it over with if that's what you want to do and, like, tell that story and then move on. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll be okay. I mean, I kind of want them together, so I kind of wanted to see them play with it. But if they realize that that's not what they want, okay, fine. But then just move on with it. Don't, like, have – don't make them dance around each other for, you know, ever and ever. And then only for them to get together and be like, oh, yeah, No. Yeah, that would be a bait and switch. Right. Like, either play the cat and mouse game and, like, have them dance around each other with that in mind, or don't. But I'd rather you just go ahead and get them together and have them stay together, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so the messages we got who of people who were, you know, sad about Upsick, like Brian was saying, they didn't really elaborate. So the ones we got, um, both Stephanie and Kelly both said, long overdue, I agree. Uh, Catherine said she's very, very sad. Barbara just sent the cry face emoji. We feel you. You know. Nobody really elaborated, but. This well, was, Catherine did once you know, I asked her to, because that was the same Catherine. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. 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 So um, I think who else had a really good point? Somebody else did. Let me see here. Haley had a really good um, discussion point here, which kind of leads us into the other questions we had following last week's episode. But. Haley said there was some talk on Twitter about the reasoning behind the Upsick breakup and how it affects Upstead and Burzik going forward. If the reasoning for the breakup was that you can't be romantically involved with the people you work with or be in love with the people you work with, what makes Haley and Jay or Kim and Adam different? That's kind of similar to the question that we just had. Yeah. How does it make Kim and Adam different, though? I mean, because, again, I think kind of what Alicia was saying was that, like, you know, 
same with Kim and Adam. Like, they trusted each other. And, mm-hmm. you know, it just, it worked because it was right the right relationship. Yeah. Like, you know. Mm-hmm. It just, when it, like, when it's meant to be, it works. And that's kind of what right. C.P. Hall stud fan was telling, too. You know, like, it's just not them. Like, you know, they've, like, she even said, like, you know, they've shown in old relationships that they can date and work with someone. And they just, it's not working for them because it's not right for them. Right. So that's what makes it different. I just like the second part of this question when she said, if they had gone with Burgstead this season instead of Obzik, do you think they would be as polarizing? Yes. I don't almost, know if they would have been as polarizing. Not as polarizing, but I think the backlash would have been almost worse. I think a lot of us would have been like, what the fuck? I think it would have been almost just as worse because not only, like with Upsick, yeah, you have the Burzik fans who are upset, and rightfully so, but like Upton doesn't have, you know, like Upton didn't have like a shit before that that people were rooting with her, you know, from. Mm-hmm. With Birdstead, you've not only got the Burzik fans upset, but also the Linstead fans who probably don't really watch anymore either, and like... Or that do still watch, but, like, still aren't really on the Upstead train. Whatever. But, like, you've got two different sets of fans who are like, yeah, no. At least with Upton, it was just kind of more the Berzik fans. It's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. It would have been too... So I don't know if polarizing what is the right word, but, like, it would have been, like, the backlash would have been terrible. I'm just trying to imagine a Birdstead ship now. I can't imagine it. I think Upstick was... Because, again, even from last season, we were like, yeah, the hookup would have been great. Like, we wanted them to hook up. We didn't want them to mm. be in a relationship for all season. But, like, we wanted them to hook up. So, like... Yeah. Yeah, I think the Upstick made so much more sense. I don't ever see them going with Birdstead. Ever. Ever. No, probably not. But it's fun to dream. I think they're just going to keep giving like, Burgess fake boyfriend... Or, you know, temporary boyfriends. And then... Jay and Haley hopefully will be the thing. But, like, I don't think they they would ever do that. Right. Right. So this also helps lead into some questions that we got after last week's episode. Last week's episode was, I don't know. I, I mean, we recorded early, which was good. But we also missed out on some stuff that happened during the live tweet that we couldn't talk about because we recorded early. So I feel like there was a lot of interesting Berzik discussion that went down. Yeah, there definitely was. But we kind of wanted to... Because yeah, Marina to tweeted there was a whole part of that scene that was cut that would have made so much more sense. And I don't have the tweet pulled up, but, like, I'm going to see if I can find it. Well, yeah, so she, she basically... The scene from last week when Burgess and Rusik were in the locker room and Rusik was just like, hey, just talk to me. Um, and Burgess is like, you know, I should have told Blair that I was falling in love with him. And it just basically cuts to Adam and he's like, I'm sorry, Kim. Like, I'm sorry. There was a whole bit in there that because they cut out. Because wasn't that response that- to your tweet? Yes, yes. So she tweeted that bit about, you know, what was supposed to be in that 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 little area of dialogue. And basically she was telling Adam that like she was afraid to tell Blair how she felt because Adam made her doubt herself. Um, oh, in the scene, in that scene, a part got cut where I said I pushed Blair away because I didn't trust him not to hurt me since Ruzik made me doubt myself. And that's why he apologizes. First off, why the hell would you cut that? No, and it's like, you don't even cut the whole scene. You cut one dialogue. Probably, arguably, the most important part of that dialogue. So it's just like, why? Right. It makes no sense. So then, then, you tweeted her. You tweeted her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's all I was going to say. You tweeted her. 
you can tell us. I did, yeah. So I I basically replied to that tweet because I just, you know, had to satisfy my curiosity. But based on what we were seeing in that episode, again, this is 619 that we're talking about now. Based on what we were seeing, I asked her, I was like, okay, well, based on that scene and that piece of dialogue that was supposed to be there, do you think Kim feels anything for him still? And Marina tweeted back and she was like, no, not right now. Yeah. And I was like, my heart is broken, but cool. Thanks, Marina. It makes a lot of sense. It breaks my heart, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. No, it. yeah. No. And again. Wish we would have known that, though. But it's technically not canon. I I kind of feel bad that in all of this, like, I feel like Marina was the only one thinking of how Kim felt following the Berzik breakup. Like, that's what that made me realize, that I was like, oh, my God, wait a second. You know, she is tough, but, yeah, she probably was hurt by the Berzik breakup because Ruzik just wouldn't commit. Yeah. So many things. Oh, so many things. Yeah. But we got a lot of tweets off of this. We got a lot of questions. Um, Haley G asked, again, following 619, not the episode from this week, but she said, do you think Berzik is gone for good or just for now? I think just for now. I want to say just for now, because that's just me. But like, God, it's so hard to have hope. No, it really is. I feel like they'll find their way back to each other. I think it's just, it just might take a lot longer than we thought. God. Yeah, I guess. Uh, uh, ugh. I can't. Well, I didn't, I didn't even think about it from a standpoint that it's not even that they've grown apart as people. It's that she's closed herself off to him now. Yeah. Like she was so hurt by him that she kind of balled up to protect herself. No, I, and I get, I just, for me, it's just like, God, at this point, if we still haven't gotten it, I don't know if we ever will. And I hate saying that, but like. (sighs) So Emily P said, you know, based on Marina's tweet, she said that Kim was numb towards Adam and that Kim doesn't feel anything for him right now. Is Marina telling us to let it go? Like, there's no way that they're getting it back together. Marina doesn't tend to be that cut and dry. Uh, And I feel like she and Patty would encourage us to keep the hope. Yeah, because, I mean, I think that's what they still want at the end of this, is for yeah. them to be together. But, like, we don't know if that'll happen. Right, right. And then she said, were you all gutted to read that? I was gutted. Yep. Oh, definitely. I, I remember I, it was, like, texting you and it was like, wait, huh? What? Mm-hmm. What? Huh? And I was like, this makes yeah. so much more sense, though. Yeah. It just does, given where they are in their lives right now. Granted, I mean, now that Upsick is done, I feel like Adam has gained a little bit of maturity from it. What? From like, the from, this relation- from the Upsick relationship? I think he might have gained a little bit from it, yeah. Oh, definitely. I didn't know what you were... I was, no, I was asking because I didn't know what you were referencing. I, thought, I didn't know if you meant that specific conversation with Burgess or, like, the Upsick relationship. But, yeah. No, I could see that. I think he's grown a lot. I mean, there's no denying that. I think because she... Do you think Upton demanded more of Adam? Yeah. I think Upton has a standard because she's been fucked around with in so many other, like, work relationships, and she didn't want that. 
And so if Adam really, you know, and she was trying to make, keep it casual and Adam didn't want that. So if Adam wanted more then like he had to prove that to her. Yeah. So yeah, he's gained, he's really grown up from this relationship. He's kind of, he's gained some stuff from it. So, you know. Well, and that's what I mean. I, you know, like I tell friends sometimes too, like I was just telling a friend about, and for very different reasons, you know, about. Her, like her own personal relationship that she was going through stuff with her boyfriend but I was like listen like it might not be the right relationship that worked out but that doesn't mean that it wasn't a good relationship and that it wasn't pointless like you made right. each other better and like you learned from each other and like if, if it ends then like it ends and you know obviously this one ended and like that's you know it sucks well in this case it doesn't necessarily suck <laughs> but like you know I was like if it ends it ends and that sucks but like that doesn't mean that you can't say that, like, I, you know, I'm not better because of that person and because of this relationship. Right. If Adam were a real person, we could be like, Adam, we're having a therapy session for your relationship right now. Come join us. Like, this will be really helpful for you. Please. Goodness. Yeah, for real. Um, we had a lot of questions. Yeah. So with the Kelton stuff, um, you know, he's up 20 points in the polls, et cetera, et cetera. It's really looking like he's going to win. Um yeah, we had some questions about that. Um, yeah, Allison was asking about the Kelton thing. Um, how is he only up 20 points? We know he's a bad guy, but voters would only know that his opponent confessed to murder. Um, wouldn't it be an easy win for him? I imagine it is. Yeah, I feel like 20 points is a lot, but I could be wrong. Could be wrong. I don't know. Um, Jamie asked, what are our feelings on the election storyline? And do we want to see it carry over into season seven? Hell no. I liked it. I mean, I, I liked, liked it, it, but like, no. It don't need to carry over into season seven. <laughs> no. Hell no. Nah. Just let's end it now. Be done with it. I don't want to ever see Kelton again. John McKinley, I love you, but like, bye. Yeah, bye. Bye. <laughs> but I really liked it. And I was actually really, up until last week with the Blair episode, I was like, all right, I'm starting to look forward to this, like, culmination of this whole thing of, like, the battle royale waiting in the finale. So I was I was kind of looking forward to that. I've liked it. Yeah, no, I think it's been fine. I mean, I have no, again, I have no problems with it. I just, like, it doesn't need to carry over. And very rarely do yeah. I feel like something that's been going on for as long as it has, like, does carry over for another season. Yeah, yeah. So Kristen had our last question of the episode, and I actually love this. Or not even a question. It was more of a hot take. I love it. I love it so much. Um, Brenna, you mentioned it. Do you want to take us through this? Yeah, so Kristen just basically said my hot take of the week is that Kelton will somehow be killed off in the finale, or something will happen and Brennan will become mayor. You know, somewhat like in real-life Chicago election, girl power. Voight planted that seed with the you're better than Kelton. That is genius! I I would be here for that. Because then we could keep Brennan around... You know, she wouldn't split up intelligence, I don't think. I love that so much. So much. So much. And yeah, it, it would emulate the real life election. That would be fantastic. It would work out so well. It really would. And then season seven would be kind of like walking the tightrope with her because like, you know, Voight's been on either side of her this whole season. Yeah, it's been good. I love that so much. That's so good. Yeah. Any other notes about PD? This was a crazy episode. We had so much to discuss. We really had so much to discuss. But yeah, I think that's all we've got for today. So you guys, as always, you know where to find us. It's Meet Us at Molly's right across the board. Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, everywhere. Meet Us at Molly's. 
Email us anytime about anything. It's meetusatmollies at gmail.com. If you like the show, which we really hope you do because you've made it through a two-hour and 16-minute episode, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate that. Um, find us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Bryna? I am at Bryna K13. So we're getting into finale territory. We're closer and closer. Um, normal schedule the next two weeks. Um, you know, Friday releases, unless real life gets in the way, we'll let you know otherwise. 20th and 21st, finale week. We've got extra stuff going on. So the 20th, we've got our interview with Derek Haas that's dropping. 21st, we've got our interview with Jeff Dreyer and Steve Hootstein that's dropping. Send us um, your questions. With Derek, we're playing, we're talking about the whole season because we haven't talked to him mm-hmm. at all. So anything from, you know, Again, as early as the Gabby stuff, that Gabby scene, all the way to now. Um, with Jeff and yeah. Steve, it's really just the back half because we talked to them in December. So, yes. Yes. Send us questions, please, please, please. Otherwise, that's about all we've got. If you haven't yet, go listen to the bonus episode with Tamar, where we just kind of talk about shipping and, you know, the rules and just social media. In and relation stuff, to so. Brett and Casey. It's not just like, us wanting to talk about shipping because we want to talk about shipping. It was in relation to the Brett and Casey stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. In relation. And otherwise, yeah, we will see you guys on Friday. So, actually, we'll see you on Wednesday for the live tweet. But yeah, see you on Friday. Bye, guys.